Come here, lad. Splashing down. So let your part tell you a story of a grand old tale. The tale of one of the most influential, best-selling books of all time. That would be Think and Grow Rich by the great man, Napoleon Hill. What a story it is. Now come here to me. Don't act a maggot. Just sit there in your wee chair. Just sit there and listen to the tale of Think and Grow Rich. Welcome to the third episode of Wilfred. Like last time, I want to first say thank you to you, the listener. I thought this book was a sound choice for our third discussion, as it has remained highly regarded throughout the decades, being first published in 1937 during the Great Depression. Amazon states that over 100 million copies have been sold worldwide since it was first published. More than just a personal finance and or personal development book, Think and Grow Rich focuses on philosophy and the power of the mind with regards to wealth building. What follows is a summary of what I have learnt from reading Think and Grow Rich. Once again, it was difficult to summarise the notes I had taken. As such, I would very much recommend, if this discussion motivates you to do so, buying a copy yourself. I imagine that I will most likely not portray Hill's ideas and recommendations as articulately as he would have liked, which is why I would also recommend that you buy the book and take notes, highlighting key points which strike you as you read. If I cannot convince you to do so, please feel free to take notes as you listen to this podcast instead, or see the transcript provided on rss.com from this podcast. Before proceeding, I would like to point out that the presented notes and ideas will be out of order relative to the chapters of Think and Grow Rich. If you would like to adhere to these, feel free to pick up a copy of the book yourself. However, for the sake of this discussion and its predecessors, the quotes and ideas which resonated with me the most have been grouped into three main topics of my choosing these being success and failure, the power of thought, and leadership. As you may note during the discussion, some of these points are interrelated and could potentially fall under any one of these three categories. So put it this way. Daddy, chill. What the hell is even that? Lastly, you will notice that I use direct quotes from Hill's book, building on these using my own experiences or giving my own interpretations. Obviously, because of this, I must also note that the direct quotes I provide remain the property of Napoleon Hill, as well as the revisions to that of Arthur R. Pell, and I do not claim ownership of any of their writings or ideas. Okay, okay, that's enough of that. Cha-cha, let's go. Part 1. Success and Failure Every failure brings with it the seed of equivalent advantage. Failure is a trickster with a keen sense of irony and cunning. It takes great delight in tripping one up when success is almost within reach. Collins Dictionary defines success as the achievement of something that you have been trying to do and failure as a lack of success in doing or achieving something. It goes without saying that most people dream of success, but what renders that person successful is very much subjective. Is it money, power of position, notoriety, legacy? Well, we'll explore most of these aspects further throughout this discussion. However, as discussed last week, one cannot become successful without perseverance, grit, and passion. 
at least not to the heights of a Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Conor McGregor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or Lance Armstrong, for example. But again, failure is a necessary evil in basically all cases at some point in one's journey. Woods' cheating scandal, Jordan's gambling, McGregor's assault charges, Arnold's child born to his housekeeper, or Armstrong's doping. Most of these celebrities have experienced their fair share of issues, but they are household names for other reasons, for the most part at least. 15 major golf championships and 82 PGA Tours, 5-time NBA MVP and 6 NBA titles, the first UFC champion to hold two belts from two different divisions simultaneously, bodybuilder, actor and governor, and 7 consecutive Tour de France victories. I believe these examples are proof that, as Hill states, temporary defeat is not permanent failure. Hill also writes, one of the most common causes of failure is the habit of quitting when one is overtaken by temporary defeat. These scandals and personal issues undoubtedly tainted the legacy of some or potentially all of these celebrities. However, another viewpoint is that they have pushed on and continued to be successful post these controversies. Some people, most notably the younger generations, may not even know they occurred. But what about the rest of us who have not achieved this level of achievement? Well, Hill's teaching point is still applicable. Temporary defeat should not lead the individual to quit. Failure, defeat, mishaps, they are all inevitable in any pursuit. The point is that we should not allow this to consume us. Hill states, To be sure of success, you must have plans that are faultless. But we are human, so this is futile. What I think Hill is trying to get at here is, yes, we will make mistakes. However, we should acknowledge them, improve our plan and execution, and move forward toward our aim, creating structures so the same issue is not replicated. Quote, wishing will not bring riches, but desiring riches with a state of mind that becomes an obsession, then planning definite ways and means to acquire riches, and backing those plans with persistence, which does not recognize failure, will bring riches. Hill also identifies 30 major reasons for failure. For clarity, I focus on the reasons entirely within the individual's control. I aim to narrow this down to a list of a dozen, but only manage to select a baker's dozen. But I mean, who doesn't love pastry, right? The reasons for failure which are entirely within your control are 1. Lack of a well-defined purpose in life. There is no hope for success for the person who does not have a definite goal at which to aim. 2. Lack of ambition to aim above mediocrity. We offer no hope for the person who is so indifferent as not to want to get ahead in life. 3. Insufficient education. Education consists not so much of knowledge, but of knowledge effectively and persistently applied. I spoke of this in last week's episode, so it's nice to be proved right. Ah, boy Grant. Way to sound pretentious. Good job, mate. Good job. Ah, well, let's move on. Number 4. Lack of self-discipline. If you do not conquer self, you will be conquered by self. 5. Procrastination. Do not wait. The time will never be just right. 6. Lack of persistence. People are prone to give up at the first sign of defeat. 7. Overcaution. The person who takes no chances generally has to take whatever is left when others have finished choosing. 8. Lack of enthusiasm. Without enthusiasm, one cannot be convincing. 9. Intolerance. Intolerance means that one has stopped acquiring knowledge. 10. Inability to cooperate with others. 
More people lose their big opportunities in life of this fault than for all other reasons combined. 11. Intentional dishonesty. Sooner or later, their deeds will catch up to them. 12. Egotism and vanity. These qualities serve as red lights that warn others to keep away. And finally, 13. Guessing instead of thinking. Most people are too indifferent or lazy to acquire facts with which to think more accurately. As stated, I selected 13 of the 30 reasons for failure since these are well and truly within our control. This will enable the listener to direct their energy and steady their focus on these first before exploring the remaining 17. For reference, some of these reasons include unfavorable hereditary background, ill health, lack of controlled sex urge, and lack of capital. To round out this part, I will leave you with one final quote, which the editor saw fit to leave in uppercase. With persistence will come success. Part 2. Power of Thought The first step in achieving success is to firmly believe that you're an excellent person who deserves success. Hill states, the reason we are masters of our fate, the captains of our souls, is because we have the power to control our thoughts. This highlights the importance and impact of positive and negative thoughts on our performance, motivation, and success. This can most aptly be applied to a sporting setting. How often have you seen weightlifters, regardless of being beginner, intermediate, or advanced, psych themselves out of lifting the weight prior to lifting it, despite having lifted the weight before? They may make excuses like, I didn't sleep enough, I didn't eat enough, I need more caffeine, I know because I've said these things, prior to their set, completely ruining their mental state before the barbell is even lifted from the rack. How does that affect their likelihood of achieving their programmed aim? What if all three of these excuses were true, yet they approached that exercise with a positive mental poise, telling themselves that they've got this, and that it's just another day of getting the job done? I believe that. Even if you don't go to the gym, you still know the answer. This isn't exclusively applicable to the gym setting either. A batsman stepping to the crease in cricket, a hitter at home plate in baseball, a golfer during his backswing, a businessman prior to a meeting to secure a multi-million dollar deal, or a lawyer in giving his or her closing address. Mental thoughts, in whatever setting they are applied, have a resounding impact, positive or negative, on the individual who births them. As Hill states, our brains become magnetized with the dominating thoughts we hold in our minds. Also writing, our own limitations are those we set up in our own minds. Two concepts then we will interlace in order to create another. We have already spoken of the importance of the positive mindset, as well as not succumbing to failure. This concept is not new to anyone, but perhaps an unappreciated concept, that of persistence. Hill does not understate the positive impact of persistence, writing, No one is ever defeated until defeat has been accepted as a reality. A quitter never wins, and a winner never quits. Hill also states that persistence is based upon definitive causes. These include 1. Definitiveness of purpose 2. Desire 3. Self-reliance 4. Definitiveness of plans 5. Accurate knowledge 6. Cooperation 7 willpower, and lastly, eight, habit, a little throwback to our first episode. You'll notice also that some of these can be directly linked to that of leadership when this concept is explored in the third part of this discussion. I'm sure this will come as no surprise to most of you. The main point I hope to get across in this part 
is that you possess the ability to control your own thoughts and therefore have a profound influence on your own motivation, dedication, and success. Your mind is the driving force behind more than I can put into words. So control it. Reframe negative thoughts and reinforce positive ones. As Hill says, thought impulses begin immediately to translate themselves into their physical equivalent, whether those thoughts are voluntary or involuntary. Also writing, you may control your own mind. You have the power to feed it whatever. You choose. So choose wisely. Part 3. Leadership. Every great leader was a dreamer. It is no disgrace to be a follower. On the other hand, it is no credit to remain a follower. It is my intention to keep this part generally short, as I'll focus more heavily on leadership in an upcoming episode of Wilfred, being Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. However, Hill provides very concise information on leadership within this book, most markedly the important factors of and failure of leadership. In an unrelated quote, Hill states, those who reach decisions promptly and definitely know what they want, generally get it. I'm sure it's no surprise that those who are in appointed leadership positions possess this skill, or perhaps personality trait, if you'd like to call it that. Either way, decisiveness is key in these positions and in business, which relates to two of these factors. The important factors of leadership, according to Hill, will now be covered, as well as the paraphrased definitions as per Merriam-Webster. 1. Unwavering courage. Fixed strength of mind to carry on in spite of danger. 2. Self-control. The power to control one's actions, impulses, or emotions. 3. A keen sense of justice. The quality of being impartial or fair. 4. Definitiveness of decision. Serving to define or specify precisely. 5. Definitiveness of plans. A detailed formulation of a program of action. 6. Doing more than paid. Striving to go above and beyond the requirements of the position. 7. Pleasing personality. Enjoyable to be around due to desirable qualities of person. 8. Sympathy and understanding. The act or capacity of entering into or sharing the feelings or interests of another and the power of comprehending. 9. Mastery of detail. Possession or display of great skill or technique or knowledge of a subject. 10. Willingness to assume full responsibility, taking complete accountability for one's actions. And lastly, 11. Cooperation. Association of persons for common benefit. I'm sure if you reflect on the positive, strong, or influential leaders from your life, past or present, you will notice that they possess many or all of these factors or qualities. Juxtapose that to the negative leaders in your life. They will most likely not possess any of these, if any at all. It is to the benefit of the reader that Hill also includes 10 reasons for failure in leadership. These include 1. Lack of organisation. Absence of methodical procedure or plan. 2. Lack of humility. Filled with pride and arrogance. 3. Expectation of pay beyond skill. Entitlement of better monetary compensation despite lack of skill level. 4. Fear of competition. Terrified of beneficial rivalry. 5. Lack of imagination. Absence of ability to form a mental image of something not present. 6. Selfishness. A concern for one's own welfare or advantage at the expense of or in disregard of others. 7. Intemperance. 
Lack of moderation. 8. Disloyalty. Being unfaithful, untruthful, or otherwise deceitful. 9. Emphasis on authoritarianism. Absolute power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior of subordinates. 10. Emphasis of title. Position within the company justifies or substantiates a claim. So for those of you who hold a position of power or leadership, please keep these positive and negative factors in mind. More powerfully, consider reading through them and, without bias, question which of these you do and do not possess in the workplace or in general. Your subordinates will certainly thank you for willingly striving to improve as their superior. This will then have a follow-on effect, as your subordinates will be happier, feel safer, and will work harder for you. Their individual performance will likely improve, which will also allow the organization or company to prosper, reflecting quite well on you also. Plainly, if the company is failing, perhaps it is you that is failing your employees. If you are without work, yet applying for many jobs without hearing back from the potential employer, he'll have some important considerations for you too, with regards to your CV. Even if you do tend to get the call of interviews and the like, it can't hurt to listen in and make any adjustments you had not otherwise considered. I realize that this yeah, doesn't really exactly fit the topic of leadership, but let's just say that you're taking lead on improving your chances of employment. Sure, that'll work. Hill states that applicants should include the following information on their CV. 1. Education. 2. Experience. 3. Referees. 4. Qualifications. And 5. I hadn't considered this one. Knowledge of employer's ethos. For those of you who aren't aware of the meaning of ethos, it means the characteristic spirit of a culture, era, or community as manifested in its attitudes and aspirations. Hopefully not too many of you are rolling your eyes here, but even if this helps one person, I'll be happy. I wish someone told me this when I was in high school. I actually included knowledge of employer's ethos after reading this. It adds a professional yet personable touch to your application which your competition will most likely overlook. Well, everyone, that's it for this episode of Wilfred. What I learned from reading Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, an educational discourse. Another behemoth here at almost 3,000 words, this discussion has been a long one, and I appreciate your attention. Remember, accumulation of money cannot be left to chance, good fortune, and luck. Hill states, somewhere in your makeup, perhaps in the cells of your brain, lies sleeping the seed of achievement. If aroused and put into action, this would carry you to heights such as you may never have hoped to attain. I hope this discussion has helped you through the first challenging, daunting steps of this journey to achievement. I genuinely want you to excel, succeed and prosper in life, which is exactly why I'm releasing this free content on a weekly basis. Please know that your support is very much appreciated. Wherever you choose to consume this content, on Spotify, RSS.com or elsewhere, if you would, please subscribe to the podcast and rate 5 stars. Again, thank you so much for the support. I hope this is extended to my next one. Until then, stay driven.